You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is The Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is Thursday, April 8th, and guess what? The State Department just declared April Arab American Heritage Month. So if you're an Arab American who wants to thank the government for honoring your heritage, well, just pick up the phone and tell it to the FBI agent who's listening to all your calls. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, coronavirus is going X-Men on us. Desi Lydic Fox explains Georgia's new voting laws and why trans people are the real reason you never qualified for the Olympics. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Let's kick things off with guns, the perfect way to win every argument permanently. President Biden has been trying to push gun reform ever since his friend from college was shot to death by Aaron Burr. And today, he took another step to solve it. President Joe Biden this morning announcing his plan to go around Congress on the issue of gun control. This following several recent mass shootings. President Biden outlined a series of executive actions on gun violence today. The president's executive orders direct the Justice Department to regulate a gun accessory known as a stabilizing brace, which can be used to allow a pistol to operate similarly to a rifle. The DOJ will also be tasked with publishing a template for red flag legislation to be adopted by the states. The EOs also direct the Justice Department to a ruling on so-called ghost guns, untraceable weapons that can be made at home from parts purchased on the internet. The president said he wants those gun kits to be treated as firearms. That's right. Biden wants to regulate ghost guns, which are guns that come in kits and you can assemble yourself. Although if you ask me, that should be the only type of gun that you can buy in America. I mean, because that way people will be forced to breathe before they can act. What you say? Man, I'ma shoot you dead. I'ma shoot you, man, let me just, once I build this, I'ma, yo, man, I'ma build this real quick, and you gon' wait, wait, hold on, hold on. They got two of these? They need, I need one more of the, hey, man, you, you, got a, you got a C8? Yeah, there's supposed to be two C8s. I only got one over here, man. I can't build this without, man, how about we just talk about this? Because I can't build this gun right now. And now look, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I think it's great that Biden is taking these steps, but you gotta admit, it's kind of sad to see what few reforms are available when Congress refuses to act. I mean, regulating, stabilizing braces? Those are just attachments for making guns more accurate. Basically, America's saying it can't stop mass shooters, but what if they had slightly worse aim? But let's move on to some exciting news from the world of science, where we've discovered that everything we thought we knew about everything might actually be wrong. Scientists in Illinois say that they believe they may have discovered a subatomic particle that does not obey the known laws of physics. It's called a muon, and it's essentially described as a type of heavy electron. Some research believe that this discovery could open up an entire new world of physics and give us a greater understanding of how the universe operates. I knew it. Democrats have barely been in power for three months and now even particles aren't obeying the law. But yes, this is actually potentially huge news. You see, after slamming a bunch of particles together, scientists now think that there may be some entirely new mystery force controlling the universe, which is massive. 
Because until now, there were only four fundamental forces of nature that we knew about. Gravity, electromagnetism, love, and Godzilla. And this discovery is another reminder that we never know as much about the universe as we think we do. I mean, when you think about it, we're really not that different from people back in the Middle Ages. So that settles it. The sun revolves around the earth, it rains when God is sad, and if a woman makes eye contact with you, she's a witch. Feels good to know everything, right, Cappy? Ah, you witch, you looked at me, I told you she was. Honestly, the fact that even the world's top scientists don't know what the hell is going on, it actually makes me feel kind of good about not paying attention in physics class. I mean, the laws of physics that I was supposed to learn may not have even been true. <laughs> so I guess we both failed, huh, Mr. Stevenson? And finally, the coronavirus pandemic. It's the reason your glasses have been fogged up since last April. Although America is still vaccinating its people at a record pace, unfortunately, coronavirus is stepping up its game too. This morning, the CDC says the dangerous, fast-spreading UK variant is now the dominant COVID-19 strain in the US, racing against the speed of an all-out push to vaccinate. Public health experts say the variants are more transmissible among kids who in the early days of the pandemic were not seen as high risk for infection or serious illness. And now experts are concerned about what's being called a double mutant coronavirus variant found in the U.S. for the first time in the San Francisco area. Researchers say the variant found in California's Bay Area may have originated in India and carries two potentially concerning mutations of the virus. You hear that, people? a double mutant coronavirus, double. I never thought I'd see the day when I'd be nostalgic for original corona. Because every time this thing mutates, it just gets more dangerous. Like just once, just once. I wish I could turn on the news and hear that a virus mutated in a good way. This just in from the CDC. There's a new mutant corona strain that makes you perform better in bed. And don't forget, this double mutant comes on top of the UK variant which is now the dominant strain in America. So well done, King George. You played that long game. And look, the experts will tell you that this is just another reason to get everyone vaccinated, but none of these so-called doctors and scientists give you the other point of view. So we at The Daily Show made a PSA for why you maybe shouldn't get the vaccine. I know there are some people out there telling you not to get vaccinated. And you know what? They're right. They are right. They're so right. They're right. If we all get vaccinated, then life goes back to the way it used to be. And do we really want that? Do you really want to drink at a bar with all of your friends? Instead of at home, where your family judges every single beer that you have. Getting vaccinated means meeting new people to have sex with. Gross. That warm washcloth in the shower? Sign me up. Do you really want to watch the new James Bond movie on a huge screen with room shaking sound? Hell no! I'm gonna watch it on my phone as the director intended. I don't want to eat my burger at the restaurant when it's hot and crispy. I wanted to spend some time traveling to my house first so it's nice and mushy. You want to get vaccinated so you can go to a Beyonce concert? She has enough money. And another thing about drinking, 
Most public places won't let you bring your own beer bowl. That's right, beer bowl. It's an invention I made all by myself. So let the people who get vaccinated walk around without a mask. As for me, I enjoy smelling my own breath. Mmm, tuna fish. All right, let's move on now to our main story, which is once again, not anything about President Biden because let's face it, people, Joe Biden is boring. I mean, he promised it, but man, the guy has delivered. This dude's favorite Netflix show is just the search menu, which is fine for most people, right? People don't wanna be paying attention to their president every day, but it's a big problem for right-wing pundits and politicians because you see, they can't depend on him to generate outrage. So they have to come up with some weird culture war tangent to rile their people up. Vaccine passports are Hitler. Mr. Potato Head is brainwashing children. Lil Nas X is behind you right now. So to keep up with all the latest skirmishes, we're introducing a brand new segment, Culture Wars, Moral Combat. Culture Wars, Moral Combat. Culture wars in America come out of almost anywhere. But one topic that's guaranteed to get people riled up is race. That's why I knew we were in for a good time when United Airlines announced that to bring some diversity to a field that is 94% white and male, it's going to be starting a pilot school where at least half of the students will be women and people of color. Yes, it's a perfectly sensible step in the right direction which means it's just the perfect story for a culture warrior like Tucker Carlson to completely misrepresent. United Airlines is mandating affirmative action quotas in its flight schools. And that's a big change for the country. If 100% of United Airlines pilots were black women or Malaysian Muslims, or for that matter, white men from Alabama, not a single sane person would complain about it as long as the airplanes didn't crash. Safety is all that matters. There is only one standard that matters, and it is not race and it's not gender. It's competence. The way people look is totally irrelevant. How they perform is all you should care about. Once you forget that, airplanes tend to crash. <laughs> Okay, wait, 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 <laughs> wait, no, wait, I'm sorry. My man over here just said that if we have, if we have more black pilots, planes are just gonna start crashing? I mean, I hate to admit it, but he's right. You don't want black people flying planes because white people, white people fly like this, but black people fly like this. I mean, everyone knows black people cannot fly planes. That's why Africa has no planes. Yeah, it's true. There is not a single plane on the entire continent. We use chickens to get around. <laughs> and as for women, who women pilots, we can't have those. They'll always be stopping to ask for directions. Hey, Mr. Seagull, can you give me directions to Las Vegas? Yo, for real, people. I don't know that I need to tell you this, but Tucker Carlson is lying to you, all right? He's straight up lying to you because he's saying it like United is just making random black people into pilots. Yo, Jamal, it's your turn. But any pilot still has to go through all the training and pass all of the tests. Trust me, planes aren't gonna start falling out of the sky because of black people, all right? They're gonna start falling out of the sky because they were made by Boeing. And you know that Tucker's argument is full of shit, specifically because of where he took it next. 
Imagine if we applied this same standard to other professions. How about professional sports? African-American men account for roughly 6% of the American population, and yet about 75% of the players in the National Basketball League are black men. So what if, to remedy that lack of equity, the NBA announced tomorrow that going forward at least half of its players, 50%, had to be white, Asian, Hispanic, or female to better represent the fans in the stands? How would we respond to that? Okay, that would actually be the most amazing thing of all time. I would love it if the NBA just forced random unqualified white people into the league. Are you kidding me? There is nothing I want to see more than some dude from Wall Street just getting savagely dunked on. Bam! That's for the housing crisis. Oh, this is not my life. Now, look, obviously the difference between what United is doing with pilots and what Tucker is talking about for the NBA is that white dudes do have every opportunity to become an NBA player. And I'm not just talking about American white dudes either. NBA scouts will hike their ass to a remote village in Slovenia just to bring home a seven-footer who can barely dribble. So yeah, fuck Tucker Carlson. I mean, that's nothing new. Fuck Tucker is like the motto of a Tuesday. But you know who deserves a bit of a fuck you as well? United Airlines. Yeah, I said it. And this may not be a popular opinion, but they shouldn't have announced this in the first place. Right? If you want to do something good, just do it. But no. They want to get a pat on the back for shit that they should have been doing all along. Hey, everyone. We've decided to help women and minorities deal with the barriers that we put up for them to be pilots. <laughs> because now you're feeding into the culture wars and you're undermining every new pilot that you're going to have. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Before this, if someone saw a black pilot on a plane, they would just assume correctly that that person went through the full training like every other pilot. But now someone's going to get on a plane and be like, oh, shit. It's a diversity hire. I saw this on Tucker. We're screwed. And then when there's turbulence, they're gonna be like, oh no, oh, the black pilot must have put the hydraulics on. You know how they do this with their cars. They love this. And please don't, don't get me wrong. Don't try and misquote. I'm not saying United Airlines shouldn't do this. I'm saying do it. Just don't do it for the PR, right? Don't go on social media with it just so you can get the likes. Otherwise, you're not helping your pilots. You're helping assholes like Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. But look, Tucker Carlson is just one guy on a TV channel. The other big culture war story right now is being pushed by people with actual political power. And it involves transgender people. <gasps> now wait, I know what you're thinking. Scary trans people? Isn't that a throwback from like five years ago? There was an outrage cycle around bathrooms. You remember that? They're gonna be kidnapping our children and, and wearing dresses while they poop. But even though none of that scary stuff actually happened, they've already kicked off an exciting new sequel. It has become a new front in the culture war. Republicans across the country are pushing to ban transgender students and often specifically trans girls and women from competing in school sports. It meant everything to me to be able to run, you know, as a gender with which I identify and to run as who I know I am. I really just found who I am as a person, like through sports. More than 25 states across the country now considering anti-trans policies in school sports. Three of those states have already signed them into law. Republicans pushing for the ban have been unable to point to any evidence of a problem. Will you cite any examples where a young woman was denied a scholarship opportunity or a title here in Arizona because they were competing against a trans athlete who outperformed them? 
I can't at this point. So the answer was no? At this point, no, um, but it's only a matter of time in my opinion. It's only a matter of time. You know what I love about Republicans? Is that when it comes to major issues with tons of evidence, like climate change or coronavirus or gun violence, they're like, huh, let's wait until we see more evidence. But now there's an issue that barely even exists and they're like, we don't got time for evidence. There's a plastic trophy at stake. Now, the one thing that people making these laws always point to is a single story from Connecticut a few years ago. That's not evidence that trans kids are stealing opportunities from everyone else. Aunt Becky's kids have taken away more slots on sports teams than trans kids. Honestly, I think conservatives are missing the entire point of youth sports in the first place. Because it's not really about the tiny minority of kids who will go on to get scholarships and perform at an elite level. It's not about that. It's about kids achieving their personal best, developing good habits and self-esteem, and learning to bully the chess team. And culture warriors say these laws about trans kids and sports are just about being fair to the other children. But the truth is, it's not stopping there. In the state of Arkansas, the state just became the first to ban gender-affirming medical care for transgender kids, even with parental consent. In Alabama, there's a bill that would make it a felony, punishable by up to 10 years in prison, for a doctor to prescribe gender-affirming medication for trans people under age 18. A similar measure before North Carolina's General Assembly, as some lawmakers look to ban gender-confirming treatments for people under 21. The bill would prevent doctors from providing gender-confirming hormone treatment, puberty blockers, or surgery. Senate Bill 514 would also compel state employees to notify parents if their child displays, quote, gender nonconformity. No, man, you guys are playing. So North Carolina is going to make its school employees snitch on kids anytime that they don't, quote, conform to their gender? What does that even mean? Conforming to your gender? Like, like, I caught up late with the other boys in school. So what, you're telling me that if I was in the system today, my gym teacher would be on the phone with my mom? Hello, Mrs. Noah. Yeah, no, we need to talk. Eh? The way Trevor is throwing a ball. No, 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 no. More like Tracy Noah, eh? Yeah, no, I have to snitch. Sorry about this. Guys, this is not just transphobic. It's also sexist and everything else, right? Because these Republicans act. They act like all they care about is the health and well-being of the kids. But it kind of gives the game away when they start adding on stuff that's basically just, and don't play with dolls or we'll tell your mom. And look, I'm not a doctor, right? As I found out when I try to take out my cousin's appendix. R.I.P. Ngosnati. But these Republican lawmakers are also not doctors. And people who are doctors see things very differently. Major medical organizations such as the American Medical Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics oppose the bill. With alarm and dismay, pediatricians have watched bills through state legislatures across the country. It threatens the health and well-being of transgender youth. Young people, when they reach a certain age, um, if they have gender dysphoria, which means that they experience mental duress because they are um, transgender, might not want to go through puberty. And so they're doctors might prescribe them puberty blockers so that they don't have to go through puberty and can make a decision when they're older about whether or not they want to medically transition. Me turning into a man is just probably the most horrifying thing ever I could 
ever think of in the farthest reaches of my mind is me not going on the hormone blockers anymore. The hormone blockers are like my lifesaver. So look, medical professionals and trans people themselves say that treating kids early can be extremely beneficial, which makes you wonder, what's really behind all of these laws? If you ask me, it's hate. Yeah. A lot of these people are angry because trans people don't conform to a neat idea of gender. And as humans, we like things when they are neat and organized the way we want. It's why people got so mad when they said Pluto wasn't a planet. Well, if it's not a planet, then what is it? Well, actually, it's a rocky Kuiper belt body that straddles the line between... Ah, I'll kill you! But as scared as some people might be by the idea of a trans person, it is nothing compared to how scared trans kids are dealing with problems that they don't always understand in a world that oftentimes does not accept them. So if these states are gonna be passing laws to help anyone feel safer, it should be them. All right, when we come back, Desi Lydic binge watches Fox News to find out the truth about Georgia's new voting laws. So don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. As you may have heard, Georgia recently passed a new voting law that limits drop boxes, makes it illegal to pass out water to people waiting in line, and requires all voters to name their five favorite Wes Anderson movies. But in the face of major backlash, Georgia's governor is saying people's concerns are just overblown. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp is arguing criticism of the state's controversial new voting law that, in part, prohibits non-election workers from providing food and water to voters standing in line is a misstatement. A lot's been made specifically about serving water at, at polling centers, which I think is just ridiculous. People can bring their own water, their own food. That's accurate, right? Yeah, absolutely. They can order a pizza. They can order Grubhub or Uber Eats. Okay, first of all, If the people in your state have enough time to order Uber Eats while they're waiting to vote, that's already a pretty bad side. I mean, at a certain point, they might as well just redirect their Amazon purchases there too. Yeah, where I live on the line now, so you think Amazon could just send the packages here? Two-day shipping? Yeah, I'll, I'll still be here. But what's clear is that while most people see Georgia's new voting laws as a blatant attempt to flip the state back to red, Republicans have a much different interpretation. So to break down what the Republicans are saying about this law, we had our very own Desi Lydic watch Fox News so that she could explain it to us. Last week, Georgia passed a new election law in response to Joe Biden's victory over actual President Trump. And then all heck broke loose. Is it time for American conservatives to cancel sports? They will certainly strike out with their predominantly conservative viewership. Let's not call it Coca-Cola anymore. Let's call them Woca-Cola. How many black people have died in the last hundred years from diabetes caused by Coca-Cola products? They want to boycott us. Why don't we boycott them? Confused? Well, I've been watching Fox News for one week straight with no bathroom breaks, and I'm ready to explain what the fake news is too fake to tell you. So we all remember what happened in Georgia during the 2020 election. Ballots slingshot into volcanoes, voting machines made by Antifa foot soldiers, and reports of one Georgia man changing outfits and potentially casting thousands of votes. Hello? 
So in response to these issues, the Georgia legislature passed a law to make the elections process easier, safer, more Republican, faster, illegal in Atlanta, and other common sense bipartisan ideas. This is just the way the founders intended us to vote. Step one, get an ID. Step two, go to your local elections office, conveniently open between 9 a.m. and 9.02 a.m. Step three, solve a series of ancient riddles in order to receive a ballot application. And step four, look, there are 19 more steps. We've all read the Constitution, but for some reason, the commucrats are soiling their vegan underpanties just because it's now illegal to pass out bottled water to people who are waiting in line for nine hours to vote. Oh, so voters in line need water, but somehow it's illegal for Matt Gates to wine and dine a 17-year-old? Camels go nine hours without water all the time, and you can't? Oh, no, don't give in. The woke mob will tell you that Georgia's election law is designed to stop black people from voting. But can you even prove that black people exist? I haven't even seen one in my entire life. And now corporations think that they can act like people for some unclear reason, and they're protesting too. Coca-Cola, Delta, Microsoft are all speaking out against this beautiful law. I know three things. One, conservatives are pro-business. Two, conservatives are pro-freedom of speech. And three, conservatives need to destroy these businesses for opening their mouths. You thought Major Biden was bad for this country. Major League Baseball move the all-star game out of Atlanta. MLB is just BLM backwards. Hey, corporations, here's a simple rule. Stay out of politics, but stay involved in making our country better by giving money to Mitch McConnell. You know what? We need to boycott them all. The MLB, the NFL, PBS, CPR. The next time someone tries to give you the Heimlich maneuver, you tell them to buzz off right before you lose consciousness. You better believe that if I were still allowed on commercial flights, I'd be boycotting the hell out of Delta. The cancel culture crowd is about to learn what happens when you try to cancel the cancel cancelers. You get cancelated. No! Thank you so much, Desi. I'm sorry we made you do that. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to Lee Isaac Chung, who directed a film that received six Oscar nominations and also has everyone talking. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. My guest today is writer and director Lee Isaac Chung. His new film about a Korean-American family who moves to Arkansas in search of the American dream is nominated for six Academy Awards. Isaac Chung, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you so much, Trevor. So good to be with you. Um, Let's start with congratulations. Your film has been nominated for six Academy Awards, which is... I mean, it's huge to be nominated for one, but this is six in some of the most prestigious categories ever. And what makes it even more impressive is just a few years ago, you were thinking about quitting filmmaking so you could get a real job. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Yeah, you know, I I told myself by the time I hit 40, if if nothing's happening, I have to really grow up and and, uh, take on a responsible job. So for me, that was becoming a professor. Uh, And I signed on to become a professor and I had a few months to write a script. And this was kind of like my last swing at it, basically. Hey, man, it was it was your last swing, but it was one of the most amazing swings because, you you, you know, you swung for the fences and you hit the ball. Thank you so much. Um, Everybody agrees that um, Minari, some people obviously Minari, when they're saying it in English, will go. It is just it's it's a film that connects with everybody and it's a story that everybody understands and yet is uniquely yours because you tell the tale of a Korean family trying to integrate into rural Arkansas and the journey that follows. And on the surface, it seems like, oh, this is gonna be one of those sad stories that's, it's just heartbreaking. And, and it's just, 
it's an everything story. Some of the scenes will make you want to cry. Some of the scenes had me laughing so hard that you 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 want to pause the movie just so you can finish laughing at what's going on. Thanks so much, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been wild to see people really connecting with this because I, I just wanted to tell an honest story. Um, my, my main audience for this, I was thinking about my daughter. Uh, she's seven years old right now, but I was thinking about the type of film I want to leave behind for her if, if uh, she's going to even just be reading the script alone. I didn't know if I was even going to be able to make this film. Uh, but to see people responding to it in this way, you know, I, I've, I've had people come up to me and talk about their grandmothers to me, talk about watching wrestling with their grandmothers, you know, little details that <laughs> have been so amazing and precious. So it's been wild. You, you know what it is? When, when you make a film like this, or when you tell a story like this, it makes people feel. They don't just watch the movie. They feel, they feel the story, they feel the characters, uh, they feel the journey that everybody goes on. You know, it's, it's the American dream clashing with the American reality. And you feel that as this Korean family tries to, you know, grab a foothold of, of what their journey is gonna be in the 1980s in America in a, in a very different time. And yet sometimes all too familiar with today's America. I'd love to know how, when you were telling the story, some people would go like, oh, you know, like Isaac, surely you're gonna incorporate a few more, you know, white people or, or a few more black people, or a few more anything. But it feels like you were just like, no, this is how it was and this is how I'm going to tell it. Were you, did you ever feel pressure to make the story more than what it was? Um, I mean, because this was a last ditch effort for me, because I knew this might be the last thing that I make, I wanted to just do it on my own terms, really. So I, I didn't feel any of those pressures. Um, I, I, I remember feeling as though uh, I knew that this film had to work on that feelings level, though, that, you know, there's so much for all of us that connects us and makes us human that goes to that emotional level. Um, and I knew that if I tried to hit that level, then I could try to create something that speaks to anybody. That it doesn't matter if there's more white people or, or you know, uh, if we're speaking more English in this film. I just knew that the emotions would speak louder than words. Right. That was that was one of the um, the the talking points that 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 I think emerged in and around the film is you know when when the film was nominated for best foreign language film a lot of people were angry saying this is not foreign language people are speaking Korean but they're in America this is just a film and and it's actually prompted a conversation in and around that did you have any opinions on that Yeah I I intentionally decided I'm not going to let anything outside of this family and of this story define this story. So I, I wanted everything to come from within this family itself. Um, and and that's, that's an issue of authenticity, I think. That's something that we were aiming for. And to see that kind of butt heads against or challenge existing categories, um, I don't know. I, I feel something good about that. I feel like that's a good thing that a, a work of art can do, that it can kind of challenge people. Uh, and the definitions that we have. Yeah, definitely. Because it's, it's, it's... You know what I love about this movie is that it is uniquely American and one of my favorite moments... I won't spoil it for people who haven't watched it, but I, I would just like to know, because it's based on your life, is the Mountain Dew prank... Did, was that a real thing that happened? <laughs> Tre Trevor, can you believe all this... Uh, just how much, uh, how far this film has gone based on a story of a kid who would feed his grandmother pee. I mean, that, that's, what, that's what this is, Trevor. Um, I mean, to be honest, when I was a kid, I remember we had crates of Mountain Dew in our garage. And, uh, and my dad, uh, he, he felt like Mountain Dew was some kind of health elixir because it came from the mountains. You know, that was an honest thought that he had. 
I knew I had to put that into the story. And then I knew that there could be a running gag with that as well to, you know, just bring some lightness, make people laugh. Right. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up a film like this, connecting with people at a time like this. You know, being Asian American has always come with it stigmas and stereotypes that have followed the Asian community. Films like this, although I don't believe they just change people, I do believe they connect people to the humanity of others who they may not have ever met or even known as human beings. When you created this movie, did you think that it would have that impact? And were you even, were you even designing it accordingly? Or were you just going, no, I'm gonna tell the story and just like the people in my life, they will love me or love it because it is what it is. Right. I, I mean, it was more of the latter of, of, of what you're saying. I, I just wanted to create a story that is about fatherhood or about uh, being a farmer, about being a husband, about uh, failure. So I, I, I felt like going for those things basically allowed this family to be humanized. It, 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 it was meant to be a story about human beings, really. Right. Um, and I think that's the effort that we have to go through in the Asian American community and, and many communities. We have to humanize ourselves constantly to show, I mean we're really human beings. And that goes back to what you're saying about language as well. It doesn't matter what we're speaking. Um, there, there's more to us that's, that's similar, that goes down fundamentally to our souls and, and who we are. Thank you so much, because the film truly is amazing. Good luck. Good luck at the Oscars. Thanks so much. Take Thanks, care. Isaac. Don't forget, Minari is in theaters and available on demand. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, COVID vaccination efforts are underway across the globe. And to do your part, please consider supporting UNICEF because you see they're coordinating the delivery of 2 billion COVID-19 vaccine doses to more than 180 countries this year with special attention to low-income countries, humanitarian settings, and war zones. By supporting UNICEF, you are supporting equitable vaccine distribution, testing, and treatments. And on top of that, you're helping to save lives. So if you're able to, please go to the link below and donate whatever you can. Until next time, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, the only thing that stops a bad ghost with a gun is a good ghost with a gun. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 